Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Friday, November 2nd, 2018, and you're listening to Up to Date, our weekly recap of science in the news. I'm Kishore Hari. We're going to change it up a little bit this week by having a short interview. Earlier this year, I interviewed two authors on their new book called Does It Fart, which ended up becoming a New York Times bestseller. That book was a hilarious insider's view of all of the ways that farting happens in the animal kingdom, or in some cases doesn't happen, from the perspective of scientists who actually have heard, seen, or in some cases felt a fart. Now, those authors, Danny Rabiotti and Nick Caruso, are back with their second book called True or Poo. This one, illustrated again by Ethan Kosek, takes a wild look at sort of the filthy, kind of crazy tales of the animal kingdom. They're calling it the definitive field guide for filthy animal facts and falsehoods. So you get some really crazy tales like... Komodo dragons and their toxic slubber, scorpions and how they shed tails and maybe die. And do rabbits actually eat their own poo? And plus, the sea cucumber is back for those that remember my interview with them earlier this year. I love Danny and Nick. They're one of the more lighthearted sets of authors you'll ever have the chance to meet. So with that, let's take a short break. We'll be back with my interview with Danny and Nick about true or poo. Back in 2013, Amy Errett founded Madison Reed with a singular vision to revolutionize the way women color their hair. And in my house, my wife has been using Madison Reed for a couple years, and she absolutely loves it. You get salon quality hair color for a fraction of the price. Because Madison Reed is reinventing the way women color their hair by offering the quality of that salon color with the convenience of doing it at home and the affordability of at-home hair color. Plus, the way that everything ships together in nice, neat package means that you have a no-mess, no-fuss system to getting great hair color anytime. Experience beautiful, multi-dimensional hair color made in Italy delivered to your door on your schedule for under $25. Join the hundreds of thousands of women who have tried and loved Madison Reed. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. And Madison Reed would like to give you 10% off plus free shipping on your first order with promo code MINDS. That's code M-I-N-D-S. 
Danny and Nick, welcome back to Inquiring Minds. Thank you for having us back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, so the smash hit, Does It Fart? It actually reached the New York Times bestseller list, and you're back with a new book. First of all, before we even talk about the new book, did you have any sense of the kind of success and just response that Does It Fart uh, ended up generating? No. Yeah, I think no. it was a surprise. It was a, it was a surprise. Not that we didn't think it was good, but it was amazing that something that kind of started off as so, like kind of, um, I guess, you know, it's always nice when people find the same thing funny that you find funny, but it's always a little bit surprising as well. Now with True or Poo, um, I'm curious if you took the same sort of arc that you did with Does It Fart, because Does It Fart actually started as a, as a Twitter hashtag. Um, before you uh, ended up translating um, it into research with the number of scientists that were participating. How did True or Poo originate? So it was similar, not quite directly like Does It Fart, um, where last year, late last year, I believe it was, uh, Danny had actually started a hashtag uh, asking scientists what's the like common misconceptions that they always have to correct about their study species. And that kind of springboarded us into true or poo. <laughs> springboarded you? So was <laughs> it was it that everyone, when you put out misconceptions about animals, they ended up talking a lot about how animals um, uh, defecate? Because that is a common theme in this book. That does come up a lot. I think basically... You know, originally it was a much broader scope, but you know, we wanted we wanted to be in keeping with Does It Far, really. So you know, we we wanted to give it kind of a a gross slant, um, and kind of have it revolve around some of the more disgusting myths and truths about animals. We kind of liked the idea that it's quite surprising how gross some very cute animals are, and how cute some very gross animals are. All right, let's start with some examples to. Just illustrate how gross we're talking about. Um, last year when we talked, or actually earlier this year when we talked, Danny mentioned the sea cucumber, which is one of the most terrifying animals ever for me personally, <laughs> I have to say. And it's partially because I'll, I'll tell you, like, um, uh, a, you know, about 20 years ago, I went I went to China on a business trip. And we, we ended up having this uh, this kind of like stately dinner. And they brought out sea cucumber for it. And it was one of the most vile things I've ever eaten in my life. And I can still, I have this like very keen memory of eating sea cucumber uh, and how deeply that affected me. Uh, and now hearing the stories just adds on to that legend of that, of that <laughs> evening. So you have more to add into this, uh, into this legendary creature. Yeah, like sea cucumbers, you, you can never run out of weird facts about them. They are just utterly bizarre animals. So obviously, like we learned in Does It Fart that they have a type of fish that lives in their butt called the pearlfish. Um, and in this one, we decided uh, to focus on another one of their really disgusting habits, which is if they're threatened by predators, they basically throw their intestines at them. They inject their intestines out of their body wall and they're really sticky and they entrap the predator. So that that's a way of scaring away predators that I think is fairly unique to the sea cucumber and pretty one of the grossest I've heard, I think. 
Yeah, I would think if uh, someone's intestines started shooting out at me, I would be scared off too. Uh, like, what a weird thing to evolve because uh, you said no other creature seems to do this. Like, how? Why this defense mechanism? Well, I think it works really well for the sea cucumber because they can regenerate. So, a they're kind of entrapping the predator. B they're throwing their intestines at them, so maybe they'll get distracted and eat those instead. I don't know. Um, and C, I mean, they're just going to grow back. So, although it's not great for the sea cucumber, it's not like they're going to die. Where obviously, if we threw our intestines at a predator, then we would just die. So it'd be a bit counterproductive, really. All right, all right. Sea cucumber, it, that's a strong entry point. But Nick, you said your favorite uh, before we started this interview was the tree shrew. Why? Yeah, so there's a species of tree shrew that actually poop inside a, uh, a pitcher plant. Um, and so normally we associate pitcher plants with trapping insects, uh, and that's how they get their, their nutrients. Um, but this, these pitcher plants have evolved to support a, a tree shrew, uh, to feed it, and then also uh, gain its nitrogen from its, uh, its poop. So they, like, a, I, I think of pitcher plants as being, um, you know, relatively small, but it, they must come in many different sizes for the tree shrew for it to find its necessary size receptacle. Yeah, they're still fairly small, but, you know, they're, they're a bit different since they've evolved with the tree shrew. So they're, they're, they don't have like a slippery rim to them so that, you know, typically pitcher plants have the slippery rim which the insects will fall into them. Uh, and they're better supported, uh, which makes sense so that they don't just kind of tip over. And then their their nectar res- reserves are much larger than typical uh, pitcher plants as well, which makes sense when they want to feed feed the tree shrew. And let's, let's give it up for the tree shrew, because <laughs> I think this is the only animal I've heard of that uses a toilet, essentially in the wild are there other ones that seem to uh behave like this and use like a a similar toilet like device i think this is probably the most toilety there are quite a lot of animals that use latrines but they're basically just like one place on the floor where they all go to the toilet oh just because they they get used to going there um Um, yeah that becomes it can be adaptive as well i mean if for example if you're a burrowing animal you don't just want to be pooing all up in your burrow you probably want to go in a specific place but there's lots of reasons why animals would use latrines can be a territory thing probably some i wouldn't be surprised if there was some that had some sort of meeting at the latrine or you know to (laughs) communicate between themselves um but i can't think of any examples right off the top of my head of animals that definitely do that um Uh but definitely well, the tree shrew is the most like it's like a little tiny mini toilet. It's so cute. <laughs> I like that you asso- associate cuteness to it. That, I'm not sure that's the word I would use. Let's talk about parrotfish, which are kind of a, a strange one uh, that showed up in this book uh, book because of, again, how how they use the restroom. Yeah. So uh, parrotfish, um, well, not all parrotfish nearly um, eat coral. Uh, they have beaks that are specialized for biting up off coral and then they grind it in their mouth and swallow it and they digest all the parts that have nutrients in but it leaves behind basically the rocky remains and this gets pooed out 
And that actually makes up a large percentage of a lot of white sand beaches, um, especially in the Maldives, where there's a species of parrotfish called the bumphead parrotfish. Um, and they can produce up to, yeah, they think up to 80% of the sand in the Maldives has at some point passed through a parrotfish. So next time someone's lying on a white sandy beach, they can feel pretty happy that they're basically lying on a bunch of parrotfish bees. 80% of the sand on the Maldives came from these these fish's butt. Um, yeah. That's so beautiful. <laughs> it's also it, it just an incredible amount of sand. That is a that is a testament to how much coral they they've been eating, and they're able to eat this coral without uh, damaging it. Uh, so damaging it does, the reef. It does damage it. Basically, they take a bit and then they eat it. So it's it's not like the coral really wins in this situation. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's in a healthy ecosystem. It's not going to destroy the coral reef. I'm curious if in exploring any of the these tales, if you. Uh, entered with any sort of preconceptions that ended up being just sort of totally debunked um, or, or, or just things that you expected that just turned out not to be true. There's a couple in there that I, I know I've heard growing up. Uh, they've, I've since learned before we wrote this book, I, I learned the truth. So for example, uh, that you eat spiders often in your sleep. Uh, that's something that, was well spread uh, when I was a kid. Uh, it seemed like just because everyone, you know, knew this myth that it had to be true. Um, so it wasn't quite a surprise uh, when when writing this book, but it was something that you know, while writing it, it's just like, how did this even, you know, s- stick around that this was something that everyone believes and and tells each other about. That's fair. I never heard that we eat spiders in our sleep, and now I'm gonna like tape my mouth shut tonight. Even if, <laughs> even if you, you said it's not true, I'm just like that's terrifying <laughs> to me. Lastly, like what what's your favorite? Like, do you is there something that sort of popped out and you're like, wow, this creature just keeps getting weirder and weirder um, as we learn more about it? I think for me, the one that stood out as like the weirdest is um, there's a species of barnacle, and it. Um, attaches onto crabs and it basically um sends its body throughout the crab and almost like takes over the crab's body so instead of raising its own young what the crab will do is um, where it would normally have its own eggs it will have all these barnacle larvae and it will aerate them it will raise them as if it was its own young but the weirdest part is if the barnacle attaches onto a male crab it actually alters the male crab's physiology so that the male crab becomes more like a female and starts raising the barnacle's young itself. And I just think that is so weird. Like some kind of, yeah, using another animal as a vessel to raise your own children. And even, Oh, it's almost like a parasite. Yeah, in, yeah, in, no, it is a parasite. manipulating yeah. a host. And it kind of absorbs its nutrients from the crab and also tricks it into raising even more. Uh, scary barnacles that can take over other crabs. We just did a whole episode on the weird ways that the animal kingdom is uh, has zombieism spread throughout it, and mm. it like made me question all of animal behavior. Like, what are the real motivations behind some of these things? And that's totally freaky. Nick, any favorites that stuck out to you? Yeah, as someone who's generally fascinated by herps, I think the fact that Sicilians. Uh, 
kind of a an amphibian that sort of resembles a worm. Not too many people encounter them because they're generally underground. But when they're born, they're actually fed by their mother's body. Um, and so there's a few species where the babies will just tear s- strips of skin off their mother, and that's what they'll eat uh, when they're first born. And then there's other species that while they're still inside the mother, they'll actually uh, eat the thickening lining of their oviduct. Oh! Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tearing <laughs> strips of skin off the mother? That's not right. There was a lot of these where I felt very, very glad that I wasn't that particular animal. Like, yes. imagine if we had to eat our own mum's skin. Or even like poo sand. Like, I wouldn't want to poo sand. That'd be horrible. It doesn't <laughs> sound comfortable. <laughs> uh, I, I think we'd be remiss without wrapping up without saying a word about the platypus. Because, Danny, I know that's uh, a personal fave of yours oh yeah well it was just a bit of a shocker really so i was like asking for like people you know what's the most unexpected thing that you found out about animals and someone was like oh platypuses don't have stomachs and i was like what and i was like this is definitely (laughs) gonna be one of those weird myths that's like gone around on the internet like platypuses don't have stomachs i looked up no don't have stomachs it just goes straight through there's no pouch there's no like acid produced just just absolute weirdos like they lay eggs. They don't have a stomach. They've got a beak, basically. Platypuses are definitely like just so strange compared to other animals in the animal kingdom. <laughs> All right. Platypuses are weird. You heard it here first. Uh, Danny and Nick, thank you again for joining us on Inquiring Minds. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us. So that's it for this episode of Up to Date. We'll be back on Monday with an all-new interview. See you then. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.